0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Aquariumania on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Roy Anong, speaking to you from the University of Florida's Tropical Aquaculture Laboratory in Ruskin, Florida. Thanks for joining us. When the first transgenic red zebra danios first lit up the U.S. aquarium hobby in 2004 amidst great controversy, naysayers thought this would be just a passing fancy. Ten years later, Yorktown Technologies' highly successful Glowfish line has expanded to ten lines. Six colors and three species. My guest today, Alan Blake, CEO of Yorktown Technologies, is the man who started it all. Join us as Alan discusses the past, present, and fluorescent future of the glowfish. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: Put on a perfectly possum pet party! Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four legged friend? or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park. Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, tropical and fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's
0: Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Aquarium Mania on Pet Life Radio. My guest today is Alan Blake, CEO of Yorktown Technologies and founder of The Glowfish. Hey, Alan, thanks again for being with us today.
2: Roy, it's great to be back. I uh, always appreciate a chance to talk with you.
0: So, you know, yours was my very first Aquarium Mania interview back in 2009. Remind me, how did you first get into the Glowfish business?
2: Yeah, right. That was a great interview. Coincidentally, it was my first uh, Aquarium Mania interview too, and it was great. I appreciated it. And certainly a lot has happened since then. So it's great to be back and talk about that. Originally, if you uh, remember, we started this business 12 years ago. I originally was brought into the business by our company co-founder who had learned about fluorescence genes and was really fascinated by them. And he brought the idea to me, and of course, I thought he was crazy when he first shared the idea. And the more I learned about it, the more exciting the idea seemed to me. And uh, at some point, I was really jumping in with both feet.
0: And can you, I guess, remind us, what were the glowfish originally used for in science? The first line of fluorescent fish that ultimately became glowfish was developed at the
2: National University of Singapore. It was a, a red zebra danio, a, a fluorescent red zebra danio that was developed with the long-term goal of helping to detect water toxins. The idea was that the fish would only fluoresce in the presence of toxins and the first step was to make it fluoresce all the time, just like you have to invent, for example, uh, analogous to that would be the idea that you have to invent a light bulb before you'd have the switch. So the long-term idea, again, was the fish would only fluoresce in the presence of toxins. In the short term, the fish fluoresce all the time. And so we were able to get the exclusive license rights to the fish and a variety of related intellectual property, patents, and, and other things, and then license that to fish producers. That's 5D Tropical and, and Seagrass Farms in Florida, who could then produce the fish and distribute them. And that's that's really where the idea started.
0: Now, I remember back in the early days, there were quite a few regulatory hurdles, including you know concerns and issues re- regarding environmental impact. Did you know? From the beginning, how much you were going to have to look into and and what you were in for at the outset, and and after these 10 years, are any of these concerns warranted?
2: So, I actually had no idea what we were really going to be in for. I was pretty young at the time. I think I just naively thought that bringing the first genetically modified animal in the world to the market would be a lot easier than it was. So, it's been a, a really fascinating adventure, and I've learned a tremendous amount and fortunately in terms of the science and in terms of our experience the fish are as safe and as successful as we all expected they would be in terms of the ecological concerns and certainly in the market they've proven very successful and so i can maybe expand on that a little bit if if that would be helpful
0: yes definitely
2: So, the concerns, of course, when we first started related to what might happen if the fish were to get out into the wild, and were there any potential concerns around? Invasiveness and things of that nature. And and of course, at the time, we consulted with uh, some of the leading scientists in the world who studied ecological risk assessment, particularly in the areas of fish and genetically modified animals. We also, of course, are under the oversight of the US FDA and other state agencies. And the consensus, the unanimous consensus at that time, was that uh, zebrafish, which are, of course, tropical fish, are unable to survive in the wild anywhere in North America, and that if the fish were to get out, that they certainly would not be able to survive and establish populations. And that, of course, was, again, the, not only the unanimous consensus at the time, but that was, of course, correct. It was the basis for our risk assessment process which uh, compared fitness of our fish in a variety of ways to the fitness of the zebrafish and what we found is that our fish are from an ecological perspective even less fit than the wild type zebrafish and of course here we are we've been on the market now for 10 years and there have not been any concerns and there have not been any challenges or or difficulties of of any sort in terms of ecological considerations and thankfully the, the fish have been very successful in the marketplace.
0: So, kind of somewhat related, uh, maybe because of some other concerns, there were I remember challenges with sales, a lot of it because of their transgenic nature in some areas in the u s and internationally. Has any of that changed, or have these places opened up to sale of the glowfish
2: so Unfortunately, the overall dynamics around the issue of biotechnology in terms of i, I think uh, certainly animals and plants really from a regulatory perspective has not changed very much in all the years that we've been doing this. Within the United States, there is now a very uh, clear framework. It's a very well-understood framework that the Food and Drug Administration does have oversight in the area of all genetically modified animals. When we first started, that was not something that was widely understood or or easily discernible, but that certainly is now uh, well-accepted and well-understood in terms of the regulatory process. Beyond that, in, in terms of the rest of the world, I think the regulatory framework has generally matured, but the, I think from an ability to market and distribute, there really haven't been, unfortunately, too many material changes, which is to say that while I think the public has become increasingly accepting of the technology, and not just in the United States, but I think globally, or at least there, there are increasing numbers of these products available, the sort of ideological fight goes on, if, if that makes sense. And so the regulations haven't really changed very much. So we continue to sell our fish only in the United States, and again, very successfully so. There are certain other countries where we can sell our fish, but we just have not. And we we always have been able to, but we still do not do that for a variety of reasons.
0: And is California still closed, or are they open now? Actually, we're still not able to sell the fish in, in California,
2: and we still hope that will change. The challenge there is that while the Fishing Game Commission accepted that our fish were not an ecological risk and voted to move forward with opening up the market there for us to exempt us from a broader ban of uh, genetically modified fish. There are, unfortunately, a variety of legal and essentially process-oriented challenges that make it prohibitively expensive. So there are a variety of environmental impact reports and and studies that take many years and, and cost an enormous amount of money just To start the process, and there tend to be very uncertain processes. So, we have an enormous amount of demand right now. In fact, one of our biggest challenges is keeping up with the demand, and so for that reason, we really have not decided at this point to start to undertake the process to open the market. But it is important to note that the restriction out there was something that was in place before our fish came to market, and it is understood and recognized by the various uh, there's a fish and game department and the fish and game commission and they both have acknowledged and accepted that there's not an ecological risk issue associated with our fish so it's really a kind of a process and, and a legal issue at this point that is just prohibitively
0: expensive okay so i guess let's move on to what's been going on how have the glowfish grown over the past five years since we first spoke about five years ago well, the, the
2: growth has been tremendous. It's, it's really been humbling, and uh, we feel so fortunate to be able to take part in, in this opportunity to uh, share the fish with the market and, and the public. So last time we spoke, we had uh, just three lines of zebrafish, red, green, and orange. Since then, we've grown to 10 lines of fish across six colors and three species. In addition, we've grown dramatically the Glowfish accessories market, so products to go with the fish, kits and ornaments and gravels and plants, things of that sort. And so I've been really able to establish Glowfish as not only a brand, but essentially as its own category of fish keeping, really distinct from freshwater and and saltwater, kind of a distinct experience and an opportunity for people to keep fish.
0: And how would you say the glowfish category, this, this kind of different grouping, you're talking about a fish keeping fair compared to the others?
2: Well, it's been incredible. Our band continues to grow year after year. So the market in general is the aquatics industry is not growing particularly fast. And it, it really depends upon the year, but the, the growth rate is is generally relatively slow whereas our market and our category is growing very, very quickly. And I think that just visiting uh, any retail store and seeing what was you know, the, the presence that Glowfish has now, where you might see in certain retailers, you can see uh, 20, 30, 40 Glowfish-branded products with 10 lines of fish versus where we were, again, five years ago, we had three lines of fish and and no products. So it's it's been a really incredible growth and, and, again, something we feel very fortunate to be
0: part of. So, obviously, there's different tastes and kind of different reasons people get into the hobby. After 10 years, what do you say to the folks who believe transgenics are unnatural and shouldn't be in the hobby, you know, some of these hobbyists?
2: Yeah. So, actually, what I might say now is a little different than what I have said previously because we we have some new information. That's the great thing about science is things evolve and we learn more. and. And so Ray, I don't know if you heard about this study, but it was, it was pretty uh, groundbreaking. Uh, recently, some scientists were looking at uh, coral reefs and uh, they from the American Museum of Natural History, and they noticed that one of the fish that they were looking at was fluorescent. and this is different than bioluminescence. We've known for a long time that there are bioluminescent fish. but it turns out, uh, one of the fish that uh, I think it was an eel that swam by when they were looking at the reef, uh, they were using a blue light and, and a, a yellow filter, and this eel swam by, and it was bright fluorescent green, incidentally very similar to the colors of our fish. And that really shocked them and also piqued their interest, and they started looking at other fish. It turns out that there are more than 180 species of naturally occurring fluorescent fish in the the ocean today. And these are coral reef fish that are relatively, some of them are relatively well-known. There's a flounder that's bright fluorescent green and then all sorts of other fish that people might recognize. And so we had somewhat of a, I guess, intuitive sense that fluorescence in fish was sort of a, a consistent, I should say, when we started, consistent with the natural ecology that fluorescence genes come from marine organisms. And more than that, it turns out, now that there's been some more research, that fluorescence in fish itself is very natural. And these fish, of course, and all the various 180 species plus, have existed for millions of years in the ocean. So I guess I would suggest that people might maybe rethink the idea that fluorescence in fish is not something that is naturally occurring because very clearly it is and has been naturally occurring for an awfully long time and it just took us a while to figure it out.
0: No, that's pretty interesting. I actually, I'm not sure if I've seen that, so you may have to send me a copy of that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's also, uh, we've got a
2: link on our website if anyone's interested in the study. It's on our FAQ page and, and science page. There are links that go to this uh, information. It, it is It is really fascinating, particularly how the fish use the fluorescence in their some of them in their mating behaviors and, and other behaviors. And, and, and even more interesting is that, in to a certain extent, only other fluorescent fish can see the fluorescence because of certain filters that they have on their eyes to enable them to see the fluorescence, which is part of the reason that uh, we had never, as humans, discovered this before. It is really fascinating.
0: And you're sure that Yorktown had nothing to do with the fluorescence in these fish?
2: <laughs> I am absolutely positively certain we had okay. nothing to do with this. We, uh, As beautiful as the fish are and as similar as the colors are to the colors in our fish, we certainly would not want to take any credit for it.
0: Okay, I was just, just checking. So uh, <laughs> I've got quite a few more questions for you. Let's take a short sure. break and then continue our discussion on glowfish with Alan Blake of Yorktown Technologies. We'll be right back after these messages.
1: What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Kitty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to
0: prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code CAT 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets.
1: Let's talk pets on Pet Life
0: Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.com. <laughs> back and continue our conversation with my guest alan blake from yorktown technologies so okay we established that you and yorktown were not involved with making those other fish fluorescent let's uh let's continue so (laughs) so how is glowfish how are glowfish continuing to make their mark on the industry as a whole
2: Well, I think we are continuing to drive to expand the demographic of the number of people that are interested in fish keeping. So these days, as I think a lot of people within the um, aquatics industry realize it's very hard. There's so much going on and and especially kids have a, a lot of, there's a lot of competition for their attention, especially with all the electronics. When I was growing up, it was video games. Well, we've come so far beyond that with all of the technologies and all of the things that are attracting kids that it's really hard to keep children interested in things like fish keeping. And of course, it's it's so important for the hobby and so important, at least I think, and, and I know that my colleagues in the industry think that for children, to have fish and keep fish and understand the responsibility and and learn about the importance of caring for another animal and caring for another life, really, that we're very interested in in trying to keep the hobby healthy and and keep the industry healthy. And more than that, try to grow the demographic. And glowfish is something that's unique. It's something that's different. It's something that, whereas uh, many young parents today had a goldfish 20 years ago or or 30 years ago, nobody had low fish at that time. And this is a great opportunity to really grow the demographic. And and I think that's where we're helping the industry as a whole.
0: So now you mentioned that you had 10 lines, six colors, three species. How did you decide on these particular colors? Where do they originally come from? And also, how did you choose the species?
2: So the colors are derived from naturally occurring fluorescence genes just like we talked about these colors and these fluorescence traits have been in nature for millions of years and so uh, there are a variety of genes that are available to add to to fish, to make them fluorescent. And we really choose the colors based on what really works well with the fish. There are certain colors that just don't look particularly nice on certain fish. And similarly, we choose the species based on what we think will be successful. So what species might go together, what colors might go together, and what types of fish that we think our customers and, and the industry as a whole can be most successful with. So there's There's a tremendous amount of research and thought and consideration that goes into every selection as well as it's important to mention that every single line of fish that comes on the market is reviewed by the FDA. So every line we just launched recently, our galactic purple tetra, that fish was reviewed by the FDA for ecological safety and for human health safety and for safety for the fish, just like our very first line of red zebra was reviewed. And so there's a very lengthy process and a lot of things that we consider, and it takes years to get a new line of fish on the market.
0: And can you also maybe let folks know what the different species are that sure, are currently sure. uh, threscing?
2: Sure. We've got the uh, zebra danio, the white skirt tetra, and the albino
0: tiger barb. Okay. Now, how would you say the technology has changed over the past five years, if it has? And would you say it's easier now to produce these fluorescent fish or you know, are the challenges the same?
2: Yeah, sure. So the technology is advancing incredibly quickly. At the same time, we use the same processes that we have been using since the beginning. And the reason for that, to a large extent, is that we need to make sure that the process is very well understood and very well established from a, essentially, from a regulatory perspective. So because we're working in such a highly regulated space, we need to make sure that everybody understands what we're doing. And really, because of that, we use the kind of same old same old technology, but the technology is advancing outside of what we're using incredibly quickly. Now, our processes, of course, around that and how we do things and and the way, like we just talked about, the way we choose the fish we work with, that, of course, has gotten a lot more sophisticated as we've learned more and gotten more feedback from the market over the years. and and I think that we will continue to improve and enhance our practices as time goes on.
0: Now, I know you have a lot of other things going on. You mentioned a few things earlier. How are efforts at offering complementary products going and can you maybe talk a little bit about these more?
2: Yeah, that's great. So, as we briefly touched on before, we've got a tremendous number of glowfish branded uh, dry goods at this point. And so, we've got glowfish. I think the key is they're optimized for our fish. So, Our fish, generally speaking, look best under a blue light in a dark room. That's really the glowfish experience, and that's what distinguishes our fish from any other fish. You can put our fish under a blue light in a dark room, and all of a sudden you get this brilliant, vibrant, Fluorescent striking response from the fish that is just fundamentally different than anything that anyone else has experienced with with fish in the past. Aside from fish that are maybe bioluminescent and live hundreds of feet under the ocean that no one could ever have in their home aquarium, this is fundamentally different and is what makes our fish distinct. And of course, we talked about the fluorescent fish in the ocean, but again, that's not something someone can have in their aquarium. So we have, knowing this, worked with uh, Tetra, which is a division within United Pet Group to develop Glowfish-optimized aquarium kits. And in addition, Glowfish-optimized ornaments and plants and lights. So now people can take Glowfish-optimized blue lights And these can be bought at thousands of retailers across the country, and you could put that in your aquarium, and now you have essentially a Glowfish aquarium. So you have the ability now not only to buy a Glowfish starter kit, but to in essence take any aquarium and make it a Glowfish aquarium by getting the right light, getting the right ornaments and plants and gravel, and then you can also experience the glow at home.
0: I guess, are these the new partnerships, or do you have other new partnerships that are increasing your growth? This is
2: actually a recent partnership. It's been a wonderful partnership, and this being the partnership with United Pet Group. It's exclusive, so it's an exclusive relationship where they develop all of the Glowfish-branded aquarium products. They're wonderful partners. The products are great. The quality is wonderful, and we're just very proud of what we've been able to do working together and certainly look forward to continuing to develop more products as time goes on.
0: I'm guessing that the uh, sales for the products have gone up as highly as the uh, sales for the fish.
2: Yeah, the growth has been incredible. So right now we have about 70 glowfish optimized products on the market across the different categories that I just mentioned, the kits and plants and ornaments and so on. And you can find them in virtually everywhere that the fish are sold, the products are now available. And so that's been just a huge success for our ability to deliver on that glowfish experience that we talked about.
0: So it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. Uh, we talked a little bit about the past and the, uh, the present. Now, let's talk a little bit about the future. What are your plans for, I guess, now till time beyond? What do you have in store for us?
2: <laughs> well, so, so uh, that's a great question because it, it is really for now until, you know, as far as we can see, we plan to continue to grow the glowfish category. We plan to continue to develop great fish that we can share with the, the public. We plan to develop great products. Uh, there's a lot of new stuff coming that will continue to enhance the glowfish experience. And uh, we see just enormous amounts of growth, particularly in the area of growing the demographic, that there are so many people who just don't even know about our fish yet who would love to have the glowfish experience for themselves.
0: So you're saying maybe down the road there would be like a glowfish whale shark and a glowfish great white shark too? Well, we want to be careful about
2: competing with the um, naturally occurring saltwater fish. They may not like that. So I think that we will not see any fluorescent whales. Certainly not that we would have anything to do with, but I think there will be a lot of other glowfish in the same kind of freshwater species that are compatible with the fish that we're already developing and, and marketing.
0: Okay. Now... Are there any old or new challenges that you uh, see ahead of you as you continue on?
2: Yeah, I think the old challenge that is uh, uh, a great challenge to have, but still a challenge, is really keeping up with the demand. And I think what's important to consider from the supply perspective is it's not that we have just one monolithic product. We've now got 10 different types of fish, and the time to grow that fish, the fish that we have, sometimes varies based on weather based on uh, particularly we have a really bad cold snap in in Florida or it could be really hot. This affects the growth cycles. And given that the demand is continuing to increase, it's a real challenge to accurately forecast where the demand is going to be and make sure we have enough fish to supply the demand. And of course, we have to be very careful that we don't produce too many fish because we want to make sure that we are producing the right amount for the market. And so that continues to be a big challenge. And I think that we are doing dramatically better with that as we learn more and and can better anticipate what the market needs. And then the new challenge that we anticipate is really going to be around opening some markets where we have not been previously looking at, as an example, California and and what can we do to open that market. There are just so many people out there who would love our fish who just can't have them right now. And then looking at other markets around the world. And I think that's going to be the the challenge moving forward.
0: Do you think if you sold glowfish with marijuana that they might be more readily available in california (laughs) Well, you know, the sad thing is that you
2: can get marijuana, as I understand it, in California with a doctor's note. If you want to take our fish into the state, literally just to possess them in the state, you must go to the Fish and Game Commission where they will reject you for not having your multi-year and multi, whether it's 100000 or multi-million dollar environmental studies, you will get rejected. But you can, if you're then depressed, go straight to your doctor and, and get a prescription for, as I understand it, for medical marijuana and, and then you can feel better. So, at least okay. there's that so,
0: right? okay, okay, just just trying to give you some other ideas. so <laughs> I know you have started doing some some great and have been working with various projects in terms of philanthropy. Uh, what global issues is glowfish attacking philanthropically?
2: Well, so the good news is even though we can't sell our fish worldwide, we can help make the world a better place on a global basis so. As we talked about, our fish were originally developed to help detect water toxins, and they have made a lot of progress in that area. They actually have developed some pollution-detecting fish, and so at this point, there is sort of a bookend on that project, and we look at the idea that we are so fortunate in this country, we have so much clean water that we can not only have enough to drink and fill our swimming pools, but we can fill our aquariums. Sadly, conversely to that, there are about 800 million or a billion people, depending depending upon what statistics you look at, worldwide who don't have clean water, and even more tragically, there are literally about a million and a half people, mostly children, who die every single year due to easily preventable waterborne diseases. And so we have recently announced a grant, a $50,000 grant as part of a Glowfish Clean Water Initiative. The idea is that we're doing this because people need clean water too. So we started in the clean water business in a large sense, and now we are taking some of the success that we've had and been fortunate and blessed to have, and we're putting that into a clean water grant. And we have not quite announced the winner of the grant yet, but it will be posted on our website soon, and it's a great project. Uh, It's going to be able to give clean water to about 10,000 people for almost the next 20 years and it's a wonderful project it's going to help so many people and we're just so proud and feel so fortunate to be able to do this
0: yeah that sounds like a a really great project i know you're also working with schools or education and i noticed on your website you had some i guess lesson plans for uh, students can you talk a little bit about that maybe yeah
2: yeah sure we've got some great lesson plans on our website these were written by educators they're they conform with the national science education standards and it's K through 12. They're free for download. There are lesson plans around and that relate to our fish. And uh, I can say that there was a student locally who used one of these to win a, I believe it was a state science fair. So actually using one of the lesson plans on our website, he won, again, I believe it was a state level science fair. And so that's really great for us to be able to contribute. We've also donated thousands of Glowfish Aquarium kits over the years to classrooms And uh, we were very proud and very happy to do that. And we certainly expect to continue to grow and and continue to give back, not only in the classroom space, but in the clean
0: water space,
2: uh, as we just talked
0: about. Well, that's definitely a great step and obviously getting kids involved and interested in both science and the aquarium hobby at the same time. So great to hear about that. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I do want to thank you, Alan, a lot for uh, being on the show, and also our producer, Mark Winter, for making the show possible. Alan, do you have any final pearls of wisdom for our listeners?
2: Well, Roy, I just want to thank you for inviting me back to the show. It's just wonderful to be back. And I want to thank everyone for their support and for allowing Glowfish to become as successful as, as it has been over the years. So, looking forward to lots of great years ahead. So,
0: thanks again. Thank you. Please be sure to check out the Glowfish website, glowfish.com. We'll also have the link on Alan's Aquarium Mania bio page. I encourage all of you to visit my Aquariumania blog on Pet Life Radio. You'll find pictures and can ask questions or make comments. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, email me at drroy at petliferadio.com. That's D-R-R-O-Y at petliferadio.com. Until next time, keep your tanks clean and your fish healthy. Please visit your local aquarium stores and be sure to check out the incredible glowfish.